0: Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester, with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. he
1: says verse 14 you shall be blessed above all peoples and there shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock and i'm so glad about that you know the, the jewish people the world has been so blessed by the giftings and the talents that the lord has blessed the jews with you know you think about some of the world's best you know doctors they are some of the world's best doctors are jews some of the world's best lawyers certainly the, some of the world's best bankers artists Musicians, Vladimir Horowitz was an excellent, one of the world's best piano players ever. He was a Russian Jew. Great thinkers, Albert Einstein was a Jew.
0: Welcome to today's edition of Truth in Christ. Pastor Rob finalizes this section of Deuteronomy by analyzing the wonderful blessings of obedience. This section gives us a look at God's promises to the nation of Israel if they obey God's will for their lives. The same holds true for us today. As followers of Jesus Christ, we become God's chosen ones and we should always be attentive to God's will in our life. In doing so, we will obtain these same blessings when we continue to study his word and be aware of his will in our lives. O Lord, thank you for your unending blessings to your children and help us to continue to be obedient to your word. Let's listen to Pastor Rob with today's message by the and, and and all
1: the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Do you realize that all, every deed that you've ever done as an unbeliever and and you know before we came to Christ our, our our list was there too. But a believer you won't stand at the white throne judgment. You've been forgiven. There's a big erase marks of all that stuff <laughs> saved by the blood says Stamped, saved by the blood, all your things. But for those standing before the Lord at that time, they will see a list of everything that they've done. And God has the ability. He could do it with a whole room of people all at once. He could make them known, make it known to them out of everything that's written in that book. He can just think it right into their heart and their mind. And in an instant, they can can understand they're guilty. And they're going to be like, And there's no escaping that judgment. And that's the unfortunate thing. That's what hurts God. You think he enjoy, he's going to enjoy this moment? This is going to be the most horrific thing in the entire universe that's ever happened this moment. Because everyone who has been dead, whether they're in the sea, and the land, they're all going to be resurrected, and they are going to stand before a holy God. The book is going to be open, and their names are not going to be found written there. And all of the things that they've done are going to be written there. Everything The judge is going to lay out the charges, and they're all going to be there laid bare. And not one person who's there will enter everlasting life. They will enter everlasting destruction. Bodies that can withstand the lake of fire forever and never be quenched. Their bodies never burning out and fizzling out. They will live for eternity. Do you understand? That is really hard to say. It's true. It's true. Verse 11, back in Deuteronomy, Therefore you shall keep the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which I command you today to observe them. He says, and then it, then here's the blessings of obedience. And I would encourage you to read Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 14, when you get a chance and, and read this passage that we're reading here, because um, uh, they'll go along together. And you'll see the blessings of obedience and also the blessings of disobedience. And there's a great big long list of blessings of disobedience. <laughs> and there's some really wonderful things for the blessings for obedience. And I, I want to be obedient, don't you? Don't you want to be obedient? You just say, Lord, I want to be, I I be sold out for you completely. I want my thoughts to be pure. Do you ever long for righteousness? Isn't that what Jesus said? Blessed are the, the, the pure in heart. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Theirs is the kingdom of God. Love that. I have a hunger for that. Do you have a hunger for that? I just want to be right in everything in my thought life, in my actions, in my speech, the way I think, even the nonverbal communication that I give off. That, you know, do you know what I'm talking about? You know, I could be sitting here like this. Wow, oh, he looks peaceful. Kind of a nice guy. And then I can be like, not saying a word, but there's a whole different story going on, isn't there? Or, or I'm, I'm staring at you, you know, I'm just looking right at you, right? Or I'm like, not saying a word, but I'm conveying so much more than words could ever say, right? Even my nonverbal communication, I want that to be sanctified, that everyone I come across knows that here is a son of peace, here is a son of God, here is a daughter of God, right? I know you desire that too, and let's pray for that. Tonight, when you go home, say, Lord, I want every my whole being to be consumed. Let it be consumed. Let it be a burnt offering for the Lord. you know. And just say, Lord, consume me completely. So verse 12, Then it shall come to pass, because you listen to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the mercy which he swore to your fathers. Notice, he's always pointing back to the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's always reverting back to that. To the promise that i made them i'm still going to do my promise i'm still going to fulfill my promise verse 13 and he will love you speak god speaking of them and and he will bless you and multiply you he will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land your grain and your new wine and your oil the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flock and the land of which he swore to your fathers to give you He made that covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a land flowing with milk and honey. And as far as as the sand is in the sea and the stars are in the sky, I'm going to make your seed numerable. I'm going to give you this land. He says, verse 14, You shall be blessed above all peoples, and there shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock. And I'm so glad about that. You know, the, the Jewish people, the world has been so blessed by the giftings and the talents that the Lord has blessed the Jews with. You know, you think about some of the world's best, you know, doctors. They are. Some of the world's best doctors are Jews. Some of the world's best lawyers. Certainly the, some of the world's best bankers. Artists. Musicians. Vladimir Horowitz was an excellent, one of the world's best piano players ever. He was a Russian Jew. Great thinkers. Albert Einstein was a Jew. Architects. Physicists. Even the man who developed the, the atom bomb. Julius Robert Oppenheimer, the father of the atomic bond, he was the son of a wealthy Jewish textile importer in New York City. But God has, has blessed the Jewish people with so much. He's given them intelligence. They're amazing. I love the Jewish people. And you know what? They're no different than us. They can be stubborn. They're just sinners just like us. But I'll never forget going over to Israel and being over there twice so far. I I just, I do, I fell in love with everything about them, even when they're being difficult. Love them. Verse 15, And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you have known, but will lay them on all those who hate you. Notice all these blessings. They're all physical blessings, aren't they? They're all conditional blessings. If you do these things, these are the things I'm going to do. And it reminds me of this verse in Genesis chapter 12. You know, as we read this verse, you know, God speaking to Abraham, this promise. He says, I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse him that curses you. And in in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. And what a different world this would be if we didn't have those Jewish bankers, those Jewish physicists, those Jewish architects, those Jewish musicians. Verse 16, and you shall also destroy all the peoples whom the Lord your God delivers over to you. Your eyes shall have no pity on them, nor shall you serve their gods, for that will be a snare to you. And, and again, that's why the, the captivity occurred for um, the northern ten tribes and the southern two tribes. But going on in verse 17, he says, and if you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them. Notice, it, it's normal to be afraid. It's not, it's not bad to be afraid, but what do you do in that fear? You know, the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear, and when you are in Christ, he can overcome that fear. But what do you do in fear? Do you tuck tail and run, or do you say, Lord, I'm standing before something here. I don't understand. I am fearful. Help me to be brave in the, in the, in the, in the face of it. Sometimes you do have to run. You know, if you're going down a path somewhere and you see a uh a t rex jump out on the path, you better get in your jeep and you'd better start going and don't even look in your rear- view mirror and say objects in the mirror uh are closer than they appear and you see them coming down on you. Don't even do that, but when you say how can i how can i do this they're they're bigger than I. But he says, you shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. And Egypt was powerful. And he's saying, remember what happened in Egypt. I can do the same thing again. I don't care how big the nation is. No one is too big for Almighty God. Amen? That's the truth. There's no mountain that's so big that he can't overcome. There's nothing in your life that is so big and so huge that he can't trump, that he can't take over. The great trials, he says in verse 19, the great trials which your eyes saw, the signs and the wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out, so shall the Lord your God do to all peoples of whom you are afraid. And, and, And that is definitely the truth. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among them until those who are left who hide themselves from you are destroyed, and you shall not be terrified of them. For the Lord your God, the great and awesome God, he's among you. He's Emmanuel. That's his name, right? He is among you. He's with you. And the Lord your God, verse 22, will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will be unable to destroy them all at once, lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Because when they conquer those lands, they inherit all this stuff, and pretty soon you're... you're you don't know what to do with it. It's just too big. But little by little, it's a little more manageable. So even the Lord has that figured out. <laughs> Aren't you glad that he's got your future planned? He, he knows what's going to happen. He know, remember the rubber band analogy? He knows how far to stretch that rubber band. Your rubber band. You are that rubber band. Your will. Your life. And he stretches it. And it's different for the one person sitting next to you. If God was to stretch them the way he stretched you, their rubber band might break. The rubber band is custom-made for you only, and God knows exactly how far to go. And he says, you know what? I'm going to let up now. You know, you've, you've had the, the bout with cancer, and you've gone through that. You've seen me work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to relax that rubber band now. And maybe somewhere down the road, you're, you're going to have another hardship, something that's more difficult. And you're going to remember how far he stretched you that one time. And you're like, Lord, I know you can do this because you've already brought me to this edge. And he stretches you a little bit more and he lets you go. And you find yourself able to relax. And then you realize, you know what, Lord, because of my past experience with you and how you dealt with me when I felt like I was on the edge of breaking, you were with me then. And I have every confidence that you're going to be with me now. To me, that's the great joy of going through trials and being patient and persevering in trials as if he's in there with you if he's in there with you you've got nothing to fear even though it may be difficult even though it may be painful verse 23 but the Lord your God will deliver them over to you and will inflict defeat upon them until they are destroyed and he will deliver their kings into your hand and will destroy their name from under heaven and no one will, shall be able to stand against you until you have destroyed them Now, we don't really have a whole lot of time here. (laughs) So what I'm going to do is I'm going to summarize what happened here. In 1 Samuel, this is exactly what happened. You know, um, you shall deliver their kings, and he, God, will deliver their kings into your hand, and you will destroy their name from under heaven. That's what they were supposed to do. But notice when, in 1 Samuel, when uh, Saul went up against the Amalekites, the king of Amalek, let me just read something to you. Well, let me just say this. In First Samuel chapter 15, verse 3, God says, Go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, notice ox and sheep, camel and donkey, everything, right? And then in that same chapter in verse 7, and it says that Saul attacked the Amalekites and he also took Agag, uh, king of the Amalekites, alive. Was he supposed to keep him alive or was he supposed to kill him? God said to kill him, but Saul fought better. I'm sure his plan was much better than God's, right? So he holds on to them, and but Saul and the people spared Agag and noticed the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. God says, "Utterly destroy them." I told you exactly what to do. Now they're keeping Agag alive, Agag alive, and now they're keeping. Oh, that sheep looks pretty good. Going to keep those, the fat ones. Going to keep all the nice ones the nice of everything, the best of everything. The ugly ones will just, will, will will destroy those, but the good ones will keep. Right? And so finally, down in verse 13, Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And then Samuel said, Then what, is, what then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And here, you know, Saul is standing here, and Samuel's confronting him with this. You're supposed to kill everything. What's with all the livestock? Now the people made me do it. People wanted to do it. I just, you know, I kind of gave in. It's not a big deal. You know, I did what the Lord wanted. No, you you didn't do what the Lord told you to do. And that is one of the reasons why God rejected Saul from being king, because he pulled that stunt with God a couple of times. And God says, you know what? This man is... Disobedient, and his heart is bent on rebellion, and therefore I'm done with him. He loved him, but he's done with him, right? A king, he's supposed to be the example, right? Verse 25, he says, You shall burn the carved images of their gods with fire, you shall not covet the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it for yourselves, lest you be snared by it, for it is an abomination to the Lord your God. And you know what we're going to do here? We're going to end here because what happened was, again, this commandment says, you shall not burn the carved images of their gods with fire. You shall not covet the silver or gold that is on them. And then go with me to Joshua chapter 7, and this is where we're going to end tonight. Uh, Thank you for your patience. But you know, I, I like putting this together because God way back in Deuteronomy here is giving them these warnings and we're seeing the exact opposite be played out later on in life because they didn't. They weren't obedient. You remember when Joshua led the children of Israel against Jericho and they defeated Jericho and the very next, and God told them, in fact, in verse uh, Joshua chapter 6, God says, and you... By, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take the accursed things and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. But all the silver, notice this, but all the silver and the gold, the vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So God told them that this was the case when they went into Jericho and immediately on the hills of Jericho, now they're going to go and they're going to defeat another city called Ai. And so they finally defeat Ai after a humiliating circumstance that occurred. But then, in verse 10, it says, "Then the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Because 36 of their men got killed. They were driven out. So they were a little confused. God, you told us to go do this, and I thought you were with us. And God's like, Well, there's sin in the camp. I told you to do something, and now you've transgressed that. And what ensues here in uh, chapter 7 of Joshua, verse 10, through the end here, is that God whittles down through the tribes, through the families, and ultimately comes to Achan. And Achan had taken, when they went into Ai to, to destroy it, instead of taking the silver and the gold and the Babylonian garment that he had found, instead of dedicating that, consecrating that to the house of the Lord, he took some of it for himself. And you can see in the verse that we were just reading, God was warning them against this very thing. But now, here they are, hundreds of years later, going through the same thing. God's word is is showing itself true again. And so they ended up having to... They killed Achan and his whole entire family. They stoned them, and then they burned the whole thing. They burned everything. And so the cost for him was great. And the example that that set for every one of those people now. Can you imagine the fear? Do you think that was easy for people to see? You know, when I read this story, it really hits me because his kids were evidently involved in this too, his whole family. It wasn't just Achan. It was like his sin, but now his whole family is going to pay for that. Now, I know his kids, if they're small enough, I believe that children are with the Lord when they die you know, real young ones. I believe that. But now they're going to pay that whole family is going to pay the price for the sin of that man. And it could have all been avoided. He could have listened to God. He could have, I mean the command just page before was given. Again, just in case you forgot. I know there's been a lot of years that have gone by. But God is true to his word. He says what he means, means what he says. And they disobeyed it. And then in verse 26, he says, Nor shall you bring an abomination into your house, lest you be doomed to destruction like it. You shall utterly detest it and utterly abhor it, for it is an accursed thing. And so we see that this whole thing with Achan was coming to pass. And, you know, I think all of these things are are good. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, you know, these things were given to us as, as examples They were given to us for our learning. And don't you want to? I mean, I want to learn. I want to learn from the mistakes of, of people, even my fellow brothers and sisters. You know, let's learn from each other. You know, and and that's why I like that verse in Second Corinthians where it says, Comfort others with the comfort you were comforted with of God. That's the best way to take a difficulty in your life is to not is is to share it with somebody else. Share a difficulty, share a setback, share something that you've gone through. Maybe you've gone through some kind of physical problem, some kind of medical issue, and you've suffered for a while for it. And now guess what? Someone else in the congregation is going through the same thing, and you can draw alongside them, and you can really sympathize with them. You can really empathize with them, and they know that you know what you're talking about because you went through it. I don't know, so it's hard for me to come up. All I can do is say, you know what, I'm praying for you, and I'm really sorry you're going through this pain, this difficulty. But do I know what that's like? Absolutely not. But there are other people who do. And boy, what a balm of Gilead they can be what an encouragement they can be to someone else. And that's the way we need to be. That's why all of us together in this body, you know, on Sunday morning when you look around, you think of all the experience, all the difficulties, all the things that cumulative that we have experienced together and how we can be an encouragement to one another. And I hope that we will. I hope we'll always consider this resource that God has given to us. What a wonderful resource. No place like it on the planet than the body of Christ. No place like it. Nobody like it either. Better than any counseling session you could ever go to. Because the counselor won't open the Bible. But we can open the Bible. We can comfort one another. So be encouraged. And um, let's be exhorted tonight, you know, to consider these things. Father, we do thank you, Lord, that you, um, you remind us, Lord, we know these things aren't easy. And, and, Father, you remind us often, and you've reminded the children of Israel over and over again. And and yet, even in spite of the exhortations, Lord, we, we see them doing what we would, we would do as well, Lord. We don't look down upon them. We don't think of ourselves better than they are, Father. But we can understand, certainly. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would just do a work in this fellowship, continue to do a work in this body of believers. Lord, help us to love one another, Lord, to realize we're in this all together, Lord. There's not one better than the other. There's not one who is greater than the other. Lord, help us to serve one another, to love one another, and truly pray for one another, Lord, and to really be the body of Christ, Lord, the loving, compassionate body of Christ, who you died for. We love you, Father, and we thank you in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the Radio and Sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcasts. Truth in Christ.